Everything that has transpired has done so according to my design. Your friends up there on the sanctuary moon are walking into a trap, as is your rebel fleet. It was I who allowed the Alliance to know the location of the shield generator. It is quite safe from your pitiful little band. An entire legion of my best troops awaits them. Oh, I'm afraid the deflector shield will be quite operational when your friends arrive. Bucketheads, Mayvar Tigar, welcome to the 83rd pulse-pounding Palpatine predilections and predictions-based episode of Mandovision. Nargai Tom, and thank you so much for checking out this small, independent Star Wars podcast. Remember, the best way to reach out to us is via social media, at Mando underscore Vision, Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show, MandovisionTom at gmail.com. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and share this show with all the other Mandalorians in your covert. And if possible or so inclined, remember that five-star reviews are the best and easiest way to support the show. They help a small independent podcast like us stand out, not get lost in the shuffle, and, and escape from the boot heel of the, of the algorithm. You know, we are all about fighting that algorithm and changing it, spreading the word about what we're doing here on Mandovision. And those five-star reviews go a long way to helping us do that. And we thank you in advance for, for taking the time to do so and, and just for supporting the show. I mean, you're already doing a great job helping us out by downloading and listening and hopefully enjoying the podcast. And we thank you, thank you, thank you. We wouldn't be here without you. We've got a fun one today. I think it's going to be a fun one. I'm excited to talk about this. You know, we, we wrapped up Bad Batch Fridays last week. And, you know, maybe some people were like wondering, well, what the heck is Tom going to do now to, to entertain us, us dedicated listeners to the show. I think I got an idea or two. <laughs> I think I got some ideas. You know, you, you, you are familiar by now with, with some of our uh, Bantha Drax episodes where we've talked about some other things, kind of gotten into news things, do a little uh, predictions, uh, re-examining certain aspects of the Star Wars lore, the mythology itself. And, and that's kind of what we're going to do here. Uh, this time it's going to be a little bit more focused on the man we heard from the opening of the show, Emperor... Sheev Palpatine himself, leader of the Galactic Empire, the first Galactic Empire, and, and because a lot's going on with him, and it's not just based on what's gone on in the movies, you know, it's not just based on, it's, there's a whole retroactive continuity thing happening, that's what I'm trying to say, it's, it's the books, it's the comics, it's the Bad Batch, yeah, there's a reason why we, we didn't talk too deeply about what happens at the very, very end of last week's episode of the Bad Batch, and that's because... I wanted to explore that more fully on this episode. I was already kind of getting this show together when that last episode dropped, and I was like, oh, well, that's going to fit in perfectly with what I wanted to talk about on, on the podcast for this coming Friday, and that's the one you're listening to right now. 
so yeah, retroactive continuity, it's a thing, and we're, we're going to talk about it in, in a little bit more detail, and, and uh, explore the ramifications of, of what's going on as it relates to uh, Big Bad Sheev Palpatine himself, and, and uh, his grand plans to live forever, and never not be a part of the Star Wars galaxy, if he can help it. So yeah, that's what we're going to get into today, and I'm really, really excited to talk about it. We do have some news to talk about as well, so when we get to the other side of the bump, that's what you're going to get. We're going to talk about some Star Wars news that's come out over the past week, and I'm excited to talk about those things too. It's going to be a really, really good time. Uh, with the news, there are potentially some spoiler things, okay? So I want to put that out there right now. There are spoilers in the news. Uh, it, 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 I guess it depends on how much you're paying attention to what's going on uh, in the world of comics. Um, and potentially what's going on in social media because, you know, once these things get announced, uh, they do become all the rage on social media. So maybe maybe this was news you were able, able to duck for a little while, but it came to the forefront uh, big time yesterday, and we are going to talk about it, so be prepared. Uh, if you have to kind of skip around, I understand. And, uh, yeah, we'll do the best we can. I'll try to give you as much warning as I can leading up to that big spoiler um, so that you can, you can get around it if you need to. All right? So, yeah, here we go. You know what to do. You know what time it is. Strap on your buckets. Let's go. You want this, don't you? The heat is swelling in you now. Take your Jedi weapon. Use it. I am unarmed. Strike me down with it. Give in to your anger. With each passing moment, you make yourself more my servant. So before we begin the news portion of the episode, I do have to kind of get to a, a correction slash uh, uh, oversight that, that occurred several episodes ago during Bad Batch Fridays. Uh, in, in the second, I believe it was in the second part. I'm sorry, it was the first part of the Ryloth episode where Vice Admiral Rampart is, is uh, attempting to frame the Sandulas for an attempted assassination of Ornfrita. We see it. Ornfrita takes a blast to the side of his head from Crosshair. In the second part of the episode, or in the second part of the following week, uh, Vice Admiral Rampart comes out and talks about how Ornfrita is, is in recovery from that shot to the, to the head. And I think I made a comment along the lines of, of, oh, it must be some kind of ruse to keep the people of Ryloth, you know, kind of down and believing that their senator is still A-OK. Uh, turns out I might have been mistaken because I had not yet read the Star Wars book Dark Lords of the Sith, which has a lot to do with the with Sham Syndulla and his uh, his um, his his rebellion on Ryloth against the Empire, and how Ornfrita is still a very large part of the story in that book. Now we've talked before about how uh, Star Wars is something of a living organism, and sometimes uh, what's considered more canon. <laughs> Which is a weird way to say it, but like the movies and and the TV shows will sometimes overrule the books or the comics or, or any other form of, of media. Uh, I don't think that's the case in this instance. Um, it makes it makes me believe that maybe Rampart was right and that Ornfrita somehow did survive that blast to the side of the head. So either he has a really thick dome, or perhaps Crosshair had powered down his blaster so that it looked really really good, uh, but it was not a lethal shot against Ornfrita. So we don't know the details of that. I, I wonder if that'll be something that's more fully uh, examined at some point down the road. You know, whether we see Ornfrita return or there's another set of episodes on Ryloth, you know, we don't know. But yeah, uh, the Dark Lords of the Sith book takes place. They're, they're not real specific about when it takes place, uh, but the, the Empire doesn't have TIE Fighters. 
I remember that much in uh, the Empire, but the Empire does have Star Destroyers. So it, it's after the Bad Batch, but obviously before anything else big in, in the canon. So, yeah, a little oversight on my part, but I wanted to put that out there as, as a, a correction for the wonderful listening audience of this show. Uh, yeah, Orn Freetop maybe not as dead as I thought. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see if maybe that overrules anything at some point. But no, Dark Lords of the Sith is still considered a novel in canon. Uh, and very, very important to, to Ryloth and the, and the Toilet people, uh, the, the Sindulas in particular. So that, that's a book I'm reading currently right now. So we'll talk more about that after that's done. We'll do a little book-based episode and kind of get you all caught up on what I've been reading. And for some of you, maybe, it's, maybe it'll be new. For some people, it'll probably be a refresher. But it'll be fun to kind of explore some of the, some of the parts of, of the book canon at some point. Uh, the big news from this week that we have to talk about, excuse my, my excitement there as I sort of tried to talk before I was ready to, the trailer for Star Wars Visions is out, and I think it is spectacular. I really enjoyed this trailer so very, very much. And it's not... I, I want to be clear that I'm not the world's... It's not that I dislike it. I'm just not an, an aficionado of anime. I, it's not something I know big heaping tons about. There are, there are some animes that I'm quite quite a fan of, like Lupin the Third. Uh, I liked Trigun, and I mean, some of the more silly ones, like Vampire Hunter D, I remember being a big fan of when I was much, much, much younger. Uh, but I don't know, I don't know tons and tons of, of anime, so it's, it's something of a blind spot for me in many, many senses. But I know enough about the style, like the, the, the pure dynamic kinetic energy that, that, that anime is, is kind of known for and seeing that applied in this trailer for Star Wars stories for stories with uh, with Jedi and Sith and bounty hunters and droids and, and starships and the, the whole thing I, I'm really excited about the show it's coming out in September we've gotten a, a real good look at, at what we can expect I believe it's seven anime studios seven renowned anime studios telling nine stories over the course of the series and yeah I'm, I'm pretty jazzed up about it I thought the the use of the Star Wars score was fantastic the bits of dialogue that we got uh, I mean it seems like I said there's that anime influence it's 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 there and if you're an anime fan I think you're gonna be delighted but more importantly I think even as a, as a Star Wars fan I think you'll be delighted because it seems again that that energy that's contained in that trailer is very very uh, invigorating very exciting it's very dynamic and I can't wait for that show to drop. Uh, it's something I'm really, really looking forward to. Uh, if you're, if you're a fan, or if you're, if you are a listener of uh, the Tomcast podcast, we've we've been talking recently about uh, Marvel's uh, What If series, the animated series now now streaming on Disney Plus, and how that is. It's not it's not anime. It's not even really close. But they are trying to do a better job of incorporating that sort of energy that anime has into this American animation. And I, th- I think in What If it's come off pretty well, but still, like the, the 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 I don't even know the right terminology, but the way they make anime look like it's rushing at you, the way it's screaming across the screen, uh, is something so intrinsically important to anime, and I think it lends itself so well to Star Wars. So I'm really really looking forward to check that checking that out. Uh, and it actually made me go to my bookshelf and flip through my old uh, Dark Horse adaptations. Our Dark Horse before they lost the license to Marvel when Mar- you know before. This is before even Marvel had bought Disney, or Disney had bought Marvel, excuse me. You know, when Dark Horse sold the license, they were kind of getting wild with some of their Star Wars stuff. And they had uh, they had had manga artists. They had redone Star Wars, Empire, and Jedi in manga style, the comic, the Japanese comic book art. 
And uh, those were, again, another another really dynamic visual storytelling form. Uh, so watching that trailer made me, made me go and, and flip through those those old uh, collections that I have on my bookshelf. Really, uh, really fun, really nice. So yeah, uh, I think it's September 22nd or something along those lines. And you know, we will be talking about those episodes here on the show. So get ready. Make sure you're prepared. We'll have... Uh, you know, Star Wars Visions Wednesdays or Vision Thursdays or something along the lines. We will figure it out. We will be breaking down Star Wars Visions. Get ready. It's going to be a good, lot, a lot of fun. The next news story is definitely something. This is this is where we're going to get into that spoiler territory. Um, but I do have to caution you that maybe you already know this because depending on how plugged in you are on social media, how many uh, uh, Star Wars boards and, and websites you go to, this this may be old news in a lot in a lot of senses. So I, I sort of want to proceed uh, with a little trepidation and put this out there. Maybe you already know this. Maybe I'm kind of blowing this up bigger than it should be. Uh, but I, I want to give you the choice. Like If you're if you're not into spoilers, I, I am going to talk about Star Wars, uh, War of the Bounty Hunters, the event raging through all the Star Wars comic books being published by Marvel. Uh, and it's, it's a big deal, and I'm going to give away a big plot point from the very first issue. Now, the first issue came out several months back. Uh, I think at the beginning of the summertime, June, maybe even May. So again, you might know this already, uh, but if this if this was something like if you if you sit around and you, and you want to get if you're waiting for like trade paperbacks to come out or for the entire series to be done so you can read it all all in big bulk, um, I am going to talk about something. So this is the po- this is the spot where you will want to skip ahead a couple minutes if you if you do not want that spoiler. If you're all in, you're all in, and let's talk about it right now. So that Star Wars comic book event, War of the Bounty Hunters, is raging through the Star Wars comic books at Marvel right now. Is centered on one event, the the uh, the body of Han Solo, frozen in carbonite after the events of Return of the Jedi. Uh, it has been stolen from Boba Fett's custody, and this is that book is mostly about Boba Fett in his the the war that ensues as he attempts to recover the body of Captain Han Solo so that he can deliver him to Jabba the Hutt. An event that we know does take place because Boba Fett takes him to Jabba the Hutt. That's that's how Return of the Jedi starts. We've all seen the flick. We know eventually how this will turn out. But this war of the bounty hunters that ensues over the body is kicked off, once again, by the theft of Captain Solo, frozen in carbonite, from Boba Fett, the person who steals Han's body. And it makes all the sense in the world. So, again, it's a spoiler, but it makes total sense if you're embracing every aspect of Star Wars lore. Kira. Hera returns to the Star Wars universe proper after the, after a very long stretch where we don't know what she's been up to. She makes her presence known in that first issue as she sends agents of Crimson Dawn to steal Han Solo from Boba Fett. Now, they get fairly lucky in that they don't even have to encounter Boba Fett because Boba Fett has had to make a side trip on his way to Tatooine to deliver Captain Solo. The, the Carbonite, there's been a malfunction with the regulator of the Carbonite. So he has to make a side trip to the, the Smuggler's Moon of Narshada, where he will uh, have a back alley tech guy, doctor person, <laughs> fix the issue so that Captain Solo does not turn into a puddle of mush before he can get to Tatooine and be delivered. Because, you know, Jabba's very specific. He wants Captain Solo alive. So that's very, very important. Now, Boba Fett also, because he's, you know, he's on a job here, he doesn't have a lot of credits. So he has to go do some stuff. He has to do some work. He enters into a gladiatorial combat on Narshada so that he can, he can get the credits to 
to pay for the doctor's repair efforts on on Captain Solo. I'm a little. I was a little. The one story plot I have with that, we're going to talk about the War of the Bounty Hunter story more fully in an episode when, uh, once it's once it's concluded because it, it is a big deal. It's a really fun event, and I'm really really enjoying it as I read it. Um, but I wanted to wait till it was done until we so we can get, kind of get into this more of the nitty gritty with it. Um, shouldn't Boba Fett have like he he should be flush right? Like the Empire should have paid uh, for for his efforts in tracking down everyone at Cloud City. I feel like he should be a little bit more flush in cash. Though maybe maybe the repairs to Captain Solo's uh, uh, Carbon Knight unit are, are more extensive than I give credit for, and maybe the Empire is fairly cheap. I guess. <laughs> That's part, that part's to be determined. We'll examine that more fully. But yeah, so Kira sends her agents. Crimson Dawn makes their return to the big Star Wars universe, and it was just announced yesterday that, that Kira's going to be getting her own uh, comic book, which is sort of funny timing because... Uh, Amelia Clark has come out recently saying that she wants to do more of that Kira character, whether it's in novels or comics or whatever. And then to have it announced that, uh, well, hey, Marvel's already thought of that too, and they, they got a plan in place. So Star Wars Crimson Rain will be coming out this November, written by Charles Soule, who has been writing a big chunk of the Star Wars uh, War, for the War of the Bounty Hunters and the main Star Wars title. He's also neck deep in the High Republic book series as well, which is actually pretty cool because he's actually been able to incorporate some some uh, elements or references to things that are going on in those books, which has been pretty funny. Like there's a, a senile hut in one of the issues and he makes a reference to the chancellor of, of the high Republic era. And that's, that's, you know, it's again, signifying how old this hut is that he has a uh, sort of like dementia going on. and doesn't know exactly what time he's in. So yeah, Crimson Rain, a five issue limited series. And according to Charles soul, uh, this is sort of like a, like a Kira trilogy that's, that's being kicked off. Yes. She's, a, she's the primary focus in, in a sense, for the War of the Bounty Hunters, but that is a very Boba Fett-driven series. So that that's one reason why we're going to talk about it on Man Division because it's Boba Fett-driven. But yeah, she's she's a she's a, a nemesis for Boba Fett in that book, and again, announcing the return of Crimson Dawn to Star Wars proper. You know, we're all familiar with Black Sun, but kind of bringing bringing Crimson Dawn back into things that's exciting, that's fun, and we'll talk about that more at, in another another episode. And we don't even know what the third part of this trilogy will be, but Crimson Rain should be a pretty interesting read. If you're into the Star Wars comics, I think you're really, really going to like it. And Charles Soule's been, he's been, I think he's been delivering some really, really great comic book stuff for the Star Wars universe and for the High Republic series as well. So I'm recommending these highly, highly, highly. And please stay tuned for my, my breakdown, my, my getting into the nitty gritty of War of the Bounty Hunters. When that book, when that series concludes at the end of October. So yeah, stay tuned to that. That episode probably won't drop until November, I'll be honest with you. But it's going to happen. It's going to be fun. So that's it for the news, at least for now. <laughs> there's always more news, but we'll get in. You know we'll get to it sooner or later. Don't don't worry. Keep relaxed. And if there's something that I'm not talking about, by all means, reach out. You know how to get a hold of me. It's at Mando underscore Vision, Twitter and Instagram. And email the show, MandoVisionTom at gmail.com. Let's get into the big crux of this episode, which is, which is Palpatine's plans and the sort of uh, uh, retroactive continuity work going on in the books, in the comics, that that help uh, are, are helping to kind of more fully define Palpatine's plans and and make uh, kind of make things make a little bit more sense in the grander scheme of the Star Wars universe. Let's get into it. It's Palpatine time. The dark side of the Force is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. So we have not spent a lot of time on the Men Division podcast talking about. The sequel trilogy, the 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 Force Awakens, the, the the Last Jedi, and the Rise of Skywalker, and that's because, um, 
in my opinion, and this is only my opinion, they are they are flawed films. That does not detract from them being Star Wars and being enjoyable on some level, and 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 that's okay. There's a, there's things that that's perfectly perfectly fine. In particularly, I don't. The one I care for the least is the Rise of Skywalker, and I won't go into a, a, all my reasonings and my thinkings on that. I don't want to do that necessarily, but it's just let's just put it the way: it's, this one's not that one is not for me. And there, there are lots of reasons for that, and I, I don't want to talk about it necessarily. We all can have our opinions. If if you, I don't, and I don't want to offend anyone who who really likes that movie. It's okay, as we talk about on the podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, and some people will gravitate more towards one aspect of the of the mythology than than another. That one's for other people. It's just not for me, and that's okay. It doesn't diminish my love of Star Wars. It does not diminish uh, the 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 strength of the force that flows through my body. That's how I feel about it, and and. One of the things that happens in that movie, we are we are thrown a lot of new pieces of, of, of mythology to to kind of process and try to make sense of, and for you know for better or for worse, it, it again that's for each person to determine on their own. But there's a lot of stuff thrown at us, you know, Exegol, the Sith Eternal, uh, Ochi of Bastoon, uh, the, the 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 Wayfinders, all all these different things, all these different elements. That are that are thrown into this movie, and we're just kind of like, okay, all right, let's make this make sense in our in our minds. Well, what's going on? And and you know, we've talked about it in the past how Star Wars is very much a, a living organism in, in many many senses. Uh, like like the Constitution, it's something of a living document. You know, changes can be made to it. It's very fluid. It's very organic. That's what Star Wars is. Star Wars changes as the as as um. Stories are added to the mythology, and we incorporate those things. And one thing I think needs to, needs to be uh, given credit for, to, to, to Lucasfilm and, and the people who oversee all the other Star Wars-related stories that come out, comics and books and, and, and every other sort of uh, Star Wars adventure that exists out there that's not the films and it's not one of the, uh, the animated series that are, that are 100% canonical, is they seem to be doing a really good job with making the books and comics that are being published now work with the continuity, work with the canon. And that was always something, again, I've talked about it on the podcast, particularly during during the Mandalorian episodes. I was not a fan of, of Disney wiping away the 20-plus years of the, of the expanded universe. But they've slowly began to reincorporate elements of the expanded universe into, into Star Wars again. You know, they're, kind of, they're picking and choosing the high spots, and I think it's working out really, really well. So again, another example of, of Star Wars as this kind of like living mythology that, that will embrace aspects to enhance it, to make it better overall. And that, and that, that makes a lot of sense to me, because again, as, much as, as, as big a fan I was of that expanded universe, there's a lot of trash in it too. Not great stuff. Not every book or comic that came out during that era was a home run slam dunk like this needs to be incorporated into the mythology no 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 there there was plenty of, of chaff to throw away this time around though they do seem to be doing a better job of, of sort of curating what gets introduced into the canon and i i i want to i want to take a moment to appreciate that for all of us to appreciate that and to and to respect the efforts that they're going to to make the new canon the new canon and and something that everyone is trying to acknowledge on every front now that's not again, and that's not to say that at some point a movie will come out or, or or an animated series will come out that doesn't overwrite something. That's just sort of the nature of the beast. 
but they seem to be much more cognizant of the fact that the audience is invested in these things and you can't just outright ignore them. And, and that is a credit to the people behind the scenes and uh, a little bit to the audience too for, for making people making these, making these folks aware that hey, if we're reading these things, man, they gotta have some they gotta have some kind of bearing, right? So what's going on? What am I talking about with the retroactive continuity work that that uh, that uh, is 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 occurring in so much of the Star Wars media right now, particularly in regards to Palpatine, and that is a uh, you know we a few months back we did a a, a Bantha Tracks episode dedicated to talking about Charles Soule's work on the on the Star Wars comic, and the the after effect that the the, the aftermath of the rebellion after Hoth, the failure at Hoth, the evacuation, the destruction of much of its fleet. The, 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 again, the Empire striking back and reducing the Rebellion to, to its lowest numbers in, in many, many years. And that's been a lot of fun. And the, the plan was that I would, I would get caught up on, on the second big arc of the Darth Vader comic, and we would talk about that on the Bantha Tracks episode. Except there's been a lot going on in that Darth Vader comic book that, uh, some of it perplexing and head-scratching, but other elements of it, again, sort of, Again, embracing retroactive continuity, taking what was in the Rise of Skywalker and fitting it into an era when Vader and Palpatine, aka Sidious, were were at the heights of their power, and 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 again making that mythology be more organic and making that flow a little bit better. One of the elements that I, that I'm referring to is well, actually let's let's lay the groundwork here. The new Darth Vader comic book, written by Greg Pak, the author who uh, probably most famously brought World War Hulk to life. Uh, that would eventually become the sort of inspiration for Thor Ragnarok with, with the battle world and Hulk as a gladiator and all, all that stuff. He wrote that comic. Now he's writing Darth Vader. Uh, the first Darth Vader arc is, is, is Darth Vader's pissed. You know, Luke's gotten away at the end of Empire Strikes Back. And he's pissed, and he goes on this. He's on this quest because he knows that he's been lied to, and he knows that Palpatine is behind a lot of it. So he begins to investigate the Padme's death. He wants to know what really happened. He wants to know who's really responsible, because based off the lie that Palpatine told him, like about this, you know, who knew that she was pregnant, who kept this from Anakin, who kept this from him, and and so it leads on this path. And where the where the arc is, it's very interesting. There's a lot of powerful stuff in there, especially as uh, Vader stumbles across the former handmaid, handmaidens of Padme Amidala. You know, characters who, who bear a passing resemblance to Padme, and sort of the the uh, trauma that that triggers in in Vader as seeing someone who is very familiar to his wife and that he knew as a boy. It, let's not forget that. So that's all very very interesting. Where to me, where that arc falls apart is this whole legion of people that we saw in episodes one, two, and three. Very familiar faces from from Naboo, from her entourage on Coruscant. They make their their appearances, their their presence felt, and they're part of like some sort of like like secret cabal uh, known as the Amadalians. And I just don't like that name. <laughs> that is my real sole reason for having a gripe against them. It's this cabal of characters who were, were loyal to Padme and believed in Padme and everything she represented and was about. And they were all about finding out who murdered her and getting their revenge for Padme. So eventually they decide that, oh, it was Vader who killed Padme, and now we're going to strike against her. So you see a lot of familiar faces from that prequel trilogy uh, meet their maker at Vader's hands, which is very, very interesting in a lot of senses. I just don't care for the name for them referring to themselves as the Amidalians. 
that <laughs> that needed to be workshopped a little bit more, in my opinion. But again, the emotional resonance for the character, that's the important part, and, and I'll, I'll put that out there on Front Street. That's the bottom line. The the Amadalian's name can, you know, whatever. We, we can table that. Uh, it also comes to be that, that Vader decides that Palpatine also lied to him, and it, it's time for a classic Sith power struggle. Vader versus Palpatine. Again, we're in the aftermath between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, so why not have Vader get pissed off and try to come after his master who lied to him about Padme? And and I think he believes at this point, too, also lied about him knowing about, about Luke Skywalker. So, yeah, he, Vader's angry and he's going to go after Palpatine, but Palpatine is the man, right? He's the, he's the Sith. He's the one who enabled Vader to be Vader. So they have a falling out, and Palpatine strips him of, of a lot of his augmentations, his cybernetics, and leaves him on the shores of Mustafar, where he found him in the, in much the same state as he found him. You know, he has his breathing apparatus in his helmet, but let you know, legs gone, arm gone, and and Invader has to struggle to survive. And it's at this point that Palpatine unleashes Ochi the Bastoon. Who's Ochi the Bastoon? You might remember that name from the Rise of Skywalker. He is the mysterious character that we find buried in the sands of Pasana who has the magic knife that will lead to uh, the Death Star wreckage and and eventually to Exegol. Uh, so they bring him into the continuity at this period between Empire and Jedi. So, again, now we're starting to understand that Palpatine has a connection with this character. It's not just thrown in there. They're, they're sort of making a history, a lineage, why this will work. You know, Ochi as a Sith devotee, a, a sort of fanatical follower uh, of the Sith, he becomes a Sith assassin. He, he's out to kill Jedi. All this stuff. And, and this is happening in the comic book. And, and Palpatine has, has dispatched him to kill Vader, to finish him off. Knowing, the, knowing full well that, that Vader has to rise to the challenge. Like, everything Palpatine's doing is for a, for a reason. It's part of his plan. And that is sort of the key element of this retroactive continuity that's going on. Is the reminder that Palpatine has a plan at all times, for every eventuality. See, but this also plays into some old canons, old canon, old mythology stuff about about Palpatine's uh, appearing into the future and, and being able to predict the outcome of certain events. He's playing into that. This puts us in a position where Vader is sort of humbled by the power of his master. Now, he doesn't quite realize this at the time because he's trying to step up and still kill Palpatine. But we get to a point on Mustafar, Ochi about to kill Vader. Vader retreats into a cave where he, he uh, encounters a, a dark side being. And this dark side being is very unique to Mustafar. It, it also explains why Mustafar is sort of this planet that, that is, is thick in dark side energy, right? You, you, you get what I'm saying on that one? <laughs> it's, it's a whole thing. So Vader encounters a being on Mustafar, uh, known as the Eye of Webbish Bog, a dark side creature that Vader soon puts into, uh, it's sort of beats into submission uh, with the Force and, 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 and whatnot. And this being gifts to Vader a Sith Wayfinder. A Sith Wayfinder, much like the things that, 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 that Kylo Ren is looking for on Mustafar when he is going to go to Exegol 
at the beginning of Rise of Skywalker. So we're, we're, we're planting the seeds for a lot of the Rise of Skywalker elements. This Pathfinder, um, actually, I should, I should elaborate. Once Vader comes out of the cave, he then beats the crap out of, out of uh, Ochi of, of Bastoon and, and sort of forces him into, into Vader's servitude. And Ochi is gonna, Vader's going to force Ochi to help him jerry-rig the, wear, the Wayfinder to a TIE fighter so that he can find out what the hell Palpatine's really up to. This leads Vader into a big, giant confrontation with Palpatine on Exegol. Again, Exegol, the planet where Palpatine is building all the Star Destroyers, the Super Star Destroyers with the, with the Death Star laser cannon technology, and where he's event- planning his eventual resurrection. Once to Exegol, by the way, a big, massive battle between Palpatine and Vader, as Vader has, has uh, again, used the Force to make this giant, massive Cthulhu-esque creature bend to his will, and he attempts to uh, kill Palpatine with it. But Palpatine, again, exerts his will, shows, reminds Vader who the stronger of the Sith actually is. And this puts Vader in a position that he's not fond of, being forced to sort of submit once again. But before being forced to submit, Palpatine takes him on a bit of a tour of Exegol, and, and, and it's partially, it's, it's, it's kind of braggadocious of Palpatine, the way he moves throughout this and begins to unveil his plans for, again, it's, it hints at his resurrection. We see a chamber with cloning cylinders, Luke's hand in a jar, things like that. Then we get to, we see the Star Destroyers being built and assembled with their, with their Death Star tech, the, 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 the cannon that can kill, destroy a planet all by itself, no Death Star required. And eventually we see another secret of Exegol that they don't show in The Rise of Skywalker, and that is the, the um, massive spire of kyber crystals. And remember, kyber crystals, the crystals that power the lightsabers, but also that power the Death Star technology, the laser cannon that would destroy planets. And again, remember the mythology for the kyber crystals, for the Sith, why those blades are red, because they basically torture... They, they inflict pain and infuse their suffering into the kyber crystal to make those blades red. So we see the Sith Eternal doing just that. It, you know, uh, Again, the kyber crystal is something of a living organism in a, in a sense, and they are torturing it, and it is um, resonating throughout the Force. And Oti of Bastoon at one point loses his very, very cool helmet, and it sort of like fries his eyes out almost. I mean, the, 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 the power emanating from these kyber crystals on Exegol. Again, a, a sort of dark side stronghold. Deep, steeped in dark, in dark side, in, in the dark side, excuse me. And and Vader sees this, and he has to, this is where he sort of concedes. He's like, I am nothing <laughs> compared to you. Vader's not the planner in this, in this, in this duo. Palpatine's the one playing the long game. And it, it has sort of, for for me, a person who does not care for the Rise of Skywalker very much, adding to that mythology, kind of retroactive continuity, laying the groundwork that Palpatine's done here, and this was going on again. You see a lot of this in, in uh, Star Wars Battlefront Two, you know, Operation Cinder and things like that. These are all part of Palpatine's designs, and and you can make the argument that though they wouldn't have to go back in continuity if if these things made more sense from the beginning or if they were explained more fully all along. That's a valid argument, but I would argue in, in another sense that, that Star Wars is a, is a trilogy of different decades. 
Like, we don't know. <laughs> you know, the first Star Wars came out in 77, then 80, then 83. And the prequels came out in the early 2000s, like, I think late 90s and then early 2000s. Then this, this sequel trilogy came out in, in the 20 teens. You know, it, it's very different eras. Like, you can't, there's not as much to mine from those as you want. If you're going to try and convince me that Palpatine coming back makes a lot of sense, then going back into the timeline to the era of, of Vader and the Emperor during Empire before Jedi and show him setting this up, it, it, it works better for me as a fan who enjoys the continuity, who enjoys a lot of things like that. Um, and again, we know about Palpatine's obsession with cloning, and this is old canon too. This is old mythology. This is an old expanded universe. Palpatine wanting to clone himself is something that, that ha happened in the, in the first comic book in the 90s when, when Darkers took it took the license and they kicked off the Dark Empire series. It was all about Palpatine putting himself into a clone body. and But that wouldn't work better for me. I, I didn't... Again, I don't want to go down the path of why Rise of Skywalker doesn't work for me. There's a lot there's a lot of reasons and I won't go into them here because I don't want to disparage anyone who does enjoy that flick. That's, that's A-okay. But we know Palpatine's into cloning. We're talking about that on episodes of of uh, Star Wars: The Clone Wars, as we're rewatching, actually, you'll you'll hear about it um, over the next couple of Mondays because we're getting into the Zillow Beast and um, the way that episode ends, especially Part Two, where he talks about cloning the Zillow Beast. We are also talking about what happens in the Bad Batch, and I'm going to go and talk about that right now. We didn't talk about, and it was confirmed uh, a couple days later. And I didn't go into it on Friday because I wasn't sure. I didn't want to speculate. I had a suspicion, but I was unwilling to go on the limb. I, I'm not going to lie. I was, I was, I, I chickened out and I didn't want to, to guess where they were. But now we know. Now it's confirmed. They were, in fact, taking Nalase to Mount Tantus on Wayland. And if, if, I'm, I'm sure you've all seen the stories by now. And if, but if you haven't, Mount Tantus, yes, indeed, that Mount Tantus. From Timothy Zahn's initial *Heir to the Empire* trilogy, and the original *Thrawn* trilogy, if you will, this was Mount Tantus was a repository for Emperor Palpatine's dark side artifacts and and technologies and things like that. Is also where the cloning, uh, cloning cylinders with chambers that that birthed the Dark Jedi Joris Sabalth uh, were housed. Where Luke Skywalker was born, uh, based off the hand that had fallen to the ground on on uh, on Bespin and Cloud City. Uh, this was a place that, that a lot of, of Palpatine's projects were moving forward in secret. And this was, uh, again, this was all in Timothy Zahn's original uh, trilogy, the Thrawn trilogy from back in the 90s. And again, we talked about it before, the reincorporation of some of those, those older elements. But now it's being used in a way to like, really lay some groundwork for uh, uh, Palpatine's plans, for his his uh, his quest for immortality, moving forward, and I think that's the thing that makes the most sense now. You know, again, uh, it, it, it's it's going to be kind of fun to rewatch Rise of Skywalker. I will still have problems with Rise of Skywalker. I will. I, I swear, I will. I know I will. But maybe I'll get a little bit more out of it because there's more dots for me to connect now that they are laying retroactively in in previous eras that'll make more sense. It's like, oh, well, duh. Yeah, okay, all right. We're getting there. We're making it happen. We're making this fit. We're making it work. Again, the argument can be used like they wouldn't have to make it work if it worked from the beginning. Whatever. Okay. All right. I understand. There will always be those haters, but like, give me give me something to, to latch onto. Like, give me a reason to, to rewatch Rise of Skywalker and maybe like it more 
than the time I watched it than the time before I when I watched it last. And and uh, hey, nothing makes me happier than when you reintroduce elements from Timothy Zahn's trilogy. You know, are we going to go as far as bringing on uh, Joris Saboth and and Luke Skywalker? I don't know. I don't know. But the other interesting element, of course, with the Mount Tantus revelation is that officer, that Imperial scientist who greets Nalase as she comes to the facility in a costume that's a dead ringer for the costume, for the uniform, excuse me, worn by Dr. Pershing in The Mandalorian. So what does that say? It says that Grogu is part of the plan. Grogu is part of the plan in that it very strongly hints that uh, whatever Pershing is doing to Grogu, the samples he was taking, has to do with the resurrection plans for Palpatine on Exegol for Rise of Skywalker. It, again, something we've hinted at, we've, we have suspected for a long time. But again, we're getting more dots to connect. We're getting more things to make some sense. And that is fun. And that is an exciting part of the mythology of, of you know, this, this living organism that is Star Wars. So I'm really, uh, I'm really pleased by it. I'm really, uh, 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 I really latch onto that and enjoy the work that is being done to to lay these elements, lay these seeds, plant the, you know, the, the whatever metaphor you want to use. They're putting the they're putting the work in, they're putting in the groundwork for these things to happen later on and to make total sense, or to make more sense at the very least. And I can respect that. What I want to know, what I really want to know. Will we get to see that clone Zilla Beast that Palpatine wants at the end of uh, Zilla Beast Strikes Back? That I mean, that was an order that he gave to Dr. Bull. You know, he's like, begin cloning the beast immediately. And we never got to see that. Oh, is that going on in Mount Tantus? Are we going to see Zillow Beast walking around in the background? Ooh, that would make me so happy in, in The Bad Batch Season 2. More Zillow Beasts and uh, maybe some Dark Jedi just for funsies. Because... I, I, you know, whether it's going to be in the Mandalorian or in the Bad Batch, you know, we do have to get into some more cloning issues. You know, there there are problems. Force users in the old mythology and apparently even in Rise of Skywalker are not uh, themselves when cloned. So I'd, I'd love to see them dive a little bit more deeply on that at some point. But yeah, it's 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 a really interesting thing going on in some of the Star Wars. Uh, again, it's it's mostly in the other platforms, in the books, in the comics. And in the Bad Batch and the Mandalorian, they're, they are, they're making inroads to connect these things to the, the grander cinematic mythology, which is very, very interesting to me. Uh, because in a lot of senses, the Mandalorian is very uh, enclosed in itself. It, it, you know, it, it connected at the end of season two to some larger stuff, obviously by, by bringing Luke in. But he never explicitly came out and gave us what was going on with Grogu, why the Empire was so hell-bent on getting him. We never got those answers. It's just a lot of uh, implications and inferences. And, you know, maybe we'll get more, maybe we won't. I don't know. I, I, I hope it's more explored more. Maybe we get more out of this from Season 2 of The Bad Batch. You know, Nala say, maybe we see Baby Grogu bought, brought to the laboratory or already in custody at, at Mount Tantus, go, undergoing studies, and Nala say is going to take control of that program. How would, that, how would you feel about that? What would you think of, of uh, an animated baby Grogu in, in, in the Bad Batch series undergoing experimentation and study by Nala Say and these Imperial cloning, cloning uh, agents, agents, that's the right word, but cloning scientists 
of the Empire. It, it'd be very interesting, very unique, and, and sort of another fun little element to connect more dots to more things. You know, it, it would also be interesting to see how that connects into the Bad Batch. Will we see the Bad Batch on a mission to prevent this, this, this little baby Grogu from getting abducted by the Empire and them failing? Or, or, or will it be a, a case of, uh, like, like, you sort of, like I sort of said a minute ago, like Grogu's already there in Imperial custody. They've already captured him and are doing tests and studies. Yeah, there's a lot to really look forward to. You know, again, uh, I know a lot of people found season one of The Bad Batch to be very hit or miss, and that's okay. But the groundwork's in place. There's a lot of really fun things to build on. And as we're connecting more and more to the mythology, in, in, some, in some big ways, in some very, very subtle ways, you know, in The Bad Batch, in the comic books, in, in the regular novels, it's giving us a more complete picture. It's giving us a more evolved mythology for, the, for Star Wars. And that's always a good thing. Like I said, will it change my opinion of The Rise of Skywalker? Maybe not. But I like that we're evolving the mythology, that we're, we're, we're taking the time to put that work in to make it all come to, kind of come together, you know? If, if you were never going to explain to me who Ochi of uh, the Bastoon was, you know, that's just lazy. <laughs> that's just lazy. So now I'm getting that work, and I'm, I'm appreciating it more. I'm seeing his connection to Sidious. I'm seeing his connections to Vader and to the, the, the Sith at large. Uh, and and I, I am, again, I am super appreciative of the work that, that these writers and creative directors and creative people are putting in on every platform, every every level of media, because, again, I, I love Star Wars. We're all here because we love Star Wars. So, yeah, let's make it a really enriching experience. Keep this living organism going. This is one of those examples uh, of, of, of retroactive continuity that just makes sense. You know, sometimes... You know, retroactive continuity is, is used in a, in a, in a very... Yes, will sometimes have a negative connotation in reference to, like, comic books and things like that. Because, like, you'll go back, you know, like 60 years into, like, Spider-Man's uh, lore to, to, to tweak an element so that you can play it off, you know, again, 60 years later. Sometimes that doesn't work as well. With, with Star Wars, I think you're doing some really nice things right here. Now, eventually, I, I, again, I still advocate that at some point we need to leave this era... Of, of Star Wars behind and move forward or backwards into the, the, the history of the galaxy. That's, uh, that's up to them. I'd love to see us move, you know, like a thousand years beyond Skywalker at some point. Maybe, that's, maybe that'll be Taika Waititi's movie. Who knows? I, you know, I, I'm not to say right now. Um, and again, I also emphasize that not, I, I've said it before in the podcast, not everything needs to connect back to the rebellion. Not everything has to connect to, to Palpatine and his quest for immortality. Like, if we were to go into the next film series, whether it's a trilogy or duology or whatever it is, and it's a thousand years removed, and it's about Palpatine trying to come back again, I mean, like, there's ways to make that work, but I, I, there would be a little part of my brain that was like, really, we're still, we're still dealing with this Palpatine guy, huh? All right, all right, all right. But again, lay that, if, you're, if you're gonna lay that groundwork, then I, then I guess I, I'm, I'm gonna respect it. I'm gonna respect it because you're making it work. And as long as you make it work, that is a key thing. So I strongly encourage anyone, if you're, if you're just watching the shows and the movies, there is a rich world out there to explore with the books and the comics. The comics in particular have been really singing along. Uh, the Vader and Star Wars book in particular, Dr. Aphra has been really, really enjoyable. War of the Bounty Hunters as a series overall. The only book I don't have a great feel for is uh, the Bounty Hunters book. 
uh, and that's because I haven't quite uh, bonded to the the Byler Vance Valence character. So uh, th- that's on me though. But uh, other people seem to be really enjoying it, and uh, it's working as far as the War of the Bounty Hunters book goes as well. So again, go check out some of these other Star Wars things. Don't stay with the movies and the TV shows. I mean, they're great, but go read a book or read a comic book. Even more fun. I like the comics a lot. And yeah, it's good stuff. And again, you're making it work. You're making it sing. I appreciate and respect all the hard work going on behind the scenes. And uh, if anyone who's even remotely involved in these things is listening, thank you. Thank you for making this living organism known as Star Wars that I love so, so much sing. And I mean that in the best possible way possible. Best possible way possible. My goodness. Clearly, I've been talking too much, and it is time to wrap up this episode of Manavision. And let's do that right now, because I don't think I have anything else left to say about these topics. We talked about the Bad Batch. We talked about Ochi of Bastoon, the Emperor, his plans, Exegol, the Pathfinders. All of it's in there. I couldn't be happier. <laughs> so, yeah, let's wrap up this episode of Mandivision. I want to thank you all so much for taking the time to listen. This is our first episode post-Bad Batch Fridays. I hope you've enjoyed it. If, we ran a little long, but yeah, there was some news to talk about. So let's get the heck out of here. I hope everyone goes out, has a great weekend. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your loved ones all about the Mandivision podcast. We are on social media at Mando underscore Vision, Twitter and Instagram. Email the show, MandivisionTom at gmail.com. Please like, subscribe, and share the show with all the other Mandalorians in your covert. If possible or so inclined, five-star reviews a great way to help the podcast out without having to spend a single solitary dime. They really help small independent shows like us stand out, not get lost in the shuffle, and punch that algorithm right in the face. I bet the Empire has an algorithm. You would imagine, right? Like, they have to have an algorithm going on, too. I'm sure we'll get into Imperial algorithms at some point. But in the meantime... Let's get out of here. We'll be back on Monday for Star Wars, The Clone Wars, Rewatch Mondays. Got some big ones coming up. We're gonna be we're wrapping up season two and we're heading to a massive, massive finale. Cannot wait to talk about that with you. If you're into my in if you're enjoying me and you want to hear a little bit more of me, please by all means check out the Tomcast podcast. We talk a lot about other avenues of pop culture, a lot of DC, a lot of Marvel. And, and kind of anything else in between. We got some movie spo- movie spotlights coming up and uh, on the feed already. So by all means, go into the back catalog and find those. Check those out. We got a big one coming up for. Ooh, I can't even say. I don't. I don't want to say it. I want to spoil the surprise right now. But uh, on Monday we'll be dropping one for the new Hulu exclusive boss level, and uh, we are exploring the What If series going on on Disney Plus for Marvel, which has been a lot of fun. So by all means, check those out too. And I truly, truly appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Like I said before, go out, go on, get out of here. Have a great weekend. Stop listening to me. It's done. The podcast is over. What are you still doing here? Oh, wait, that's right. This podcast can only end one way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. Is it possible to learn this power? Not from a Jedi.